Hello, friends, and welcome to Into the Word, a radio and online program committed to reading, loving, and living the whole counsel of God. I'm your host and Bible guide, Pastor Paul Carter. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Hope you have your Bible open in front of you today to Jonah chapter 4. Now, before we read this chapter, it will be helpful to remember that there is only one possible source for this story, and it is Jonah himself. Jonah shares this story with us, even though it reflects very poorly on him. That has to be factored into our interpretation. Obviously, Jonah repented again of his wrong spirit. Obviously, he was again humbled and corrected by the Lord. And that in itself should be an encouragement to us. It very often takes more than one great work of God for us to find our way in the life of faith. I am reminded of the story of the two-touch healing in Mark 8, 22-26. After the first touch from God, the blind man could see people, but they were like stick figures walking around. But after the second touch, he saw everything clearly. I suspect it went similarly with the prophet Jonah. Some of us don't get all the way there with our first miracle. Some of us are two-touch people. I can certainly identify with that, and I suspect that many of you can as well. Hear now the word of the Lord, beginning at verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Jonah knew that God would act according to his character and it bothered him. Now, we have to stop here and reflect upon this phenomenon. God's people delight in God's character on their way in, as Jonah delighted in it while he was arising from the heart of the sea. But then once we feel ourselves on level ground, we quickly find irritating what we once found life-giving. We worry that so much grace will lead to lawlessness. We worry that people will take advantage. We worry that society itself will break down if boundaries are not enforced and if mercy is given out seemingly willy-nilly. We want a system of grace for ourselves and a system of law for everyone else. As I mentioned previously, Jonah reminds us here of the elder brother in the parable of the prodigal son. He also reminds us of the unmerciful servant in another of Jesus' parables on this theme. That man was forgiven a great debt, an unpayable debt, and yet he did not think it reasonable to forgive a man who owed him a comparative pittance. And he was strongly rebuked for his lack of mercy by his master. And this brings us to one of the central themes of this book of the Bible, the remarkable fact that God's people are often far less merciful than the Lord himself. We often resent his generosity to others. We often find his grace scandalous and unwise. Old Testament and New, that is a real challenge for the people of God. And 
It is a challenge that Jonah did not handle very well, as verse 3 makes quite clear. Jonah says, Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? What a marvelous question. God is such a patient father. He understands that this is a difficult issue for Jonah. We, we have to be careful here not to trivialize Jonah's resentment. It isn't just that some people, or even that some Gentile people, are being shown mercy here. It is that the people who will soon destroy and disperse the nation of Israel are here being shown mercy. This is dark providence. God gives Assyria an opportunity to repent. And a generation later, under a different king, this same country will rally their strength, extend their empire, and erase the kingdom of Israel. Had Jonah been unsuccessful, had God not been merciful, might not Israel have been spared? And of course, the answer is no, because Israel had never repented in the way that Assyria repented. You see, in a sense, the repentance of Assyria is a further rebuke to the nation of Israel. God sent Assyria, maybe the worst prophet in the history of prophets, certainly the worst preacher in the history of preachers, and still they repented of their sins from the highest to the lowest. That never happened in northern Israel. The southern kingdom had several significant revivals. The northern kingdom had not one. Certainly, God intended the repentance of Assyria as a rebuke to the people of Israel. And by the way, Jesus uses it as such in Matthew 12. In Matthew 12, 41, Jesus says, The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. So let's be very clear. Jonah is wrong in charging God with injustice in this matter. If God relented in his planned punishment of Nineveh when they repented, how much more would he have been happy to relent of the punishment he had planned for Israel had they ever repented? God was always eager to forgive his covenant people. Just before the destruction of Israel, he sent a prophet to extend a final invitation to his people. He told Jeremiah to preach to the people, and he said, It may be that they will listen. And everyone turned from his evil way, that I may relent of the disaster that I intended to do to them because of their evil deeds. So there can be no doubt that God would have quickly forgiven Israel had they followed the example of Nineveh, but they didn't. And therefore, Jonah was wrong in charging God with injustice. He was angry in the wrong direction. He should have been angry at himself and at his own people. God always acts in accordance with his word and his nature. The problem isn't with God. It is with us. But Jonah didn't see that yet. 
Verse 5 tells us, Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. Now, just notice quickly here how invested God is in both our salvation and sanctification. God prepared a fish for Jonah's salvation, and here he prepares a plant for his sanctification. God is highly invested in the totality of our spiritual journey. He doesn't just save us. (laughs) He wants to teach us and to prepare us for a life of worship and service. So here he prepares a plant. And verse 6 says, So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. Now just notice here that God also plans hardships and afflictions for our education and refinement. God has a carrot and God has a stick and he knows how to use them both. Verse 8 says, When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind. And the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? God is a master teacher. I love what Job says about that. Job was a man who knew a thing or two about worms and winds prepared by the Lord. He said, Behold, God is exalted in his power. Who is a teacher like him? Job 36, 22. Yeah, exactly. Answer, no one. No one is a teacher like God. God knows how to teach and he knows how to ask a good question. And this is a good question that we should ask ourselves when we are angry. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said that one of the secrets of mental health is to spend less time listening to yourself and more time talking to yourself. Do not allow your feelings to have authority over you. Take those feelings captive. When you are angry, ask yourself, do you do well to be angry? Is this anger rational? Is it reasonable given how merciful God has been to you? And do you even really understand what it is that you are angry at? You are angry, God says to Jonah, because a plant grew up overnight and then died. You care more for that plant than you care for the city of Nineveh, a city that has been hundreds of years in the making, filled with people who have eternal souls, not to mention all the animals. Their destruction means nothing to you because their life isn't useful to you. Are are you really the measure of all things, Jonah? Have you thought this anger through? That's the question. And and he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die, verse 9. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. That's the end of the book. It's an abrupt end. 
and it leaves a lot of questions unanswered. But I think the fact that it was written at all tells us that Jonah himself finally came to understand at least some of what was going on. He, he came to understand that his attitude was absurd. God was not wrong in this matter. He was wrong. God was just being God. A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. If Israel was to be destroyed, it would not be destroyed because Jonah preached to Nineveh. It would be destroyed because Israel did not repent of sin. And Jonah must not fret himself over the mysteries of providence. Jonah must entrust himself to the unchanging nature and goodness of the Lord. He is always ready to forgive. If his people repent, God will eagerly forgive. He's the Father. He stands, he watches, he calls, he sends, and he waits. And when his people repent, when they return to him, he is merciful. And when they don't, he is just. That, that has to be part of what we take from this story as well, because we know that Israel did not repent. And we know that God sent Assyria to be the worm that destroyed the vine of the Lord. But thanks be to God, we also know that Jesus came and he said, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Thanks be to God in Christ. God has prepared another way. He has sent another messenger. He has sent a greater than Jonah to preach repentance and to offer mercy to an unworthy people. And if you will turn from your sins and cling to Christ, then you will be saved because God has not changed. He is who he is and he does what he does. Old Testament and new, salvation belongs to the Lord. Thanks be to God. And thank you for listening to Into the Word. If you're interested in additional resources or previous episodes and series, you can find those over the website at www.intotheword.ca. You can also check us out on Facebook, and I hope you do. We have a growing community of Bible readers over there, and we post daily encouragements and conversation starters. Hope to see you there. And hope to see you again tomorrow, right here for another episode of Into the Word. Before.